Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is a Lip Media Podcast. Sit, boo-boo, sit, boo-boo, sit. Girl, I don't. Some bad hat Hello and welcome to Hunting Seasons, the podcast that dares to binge watch, deep dive and break down a season of television each and every episode. I am Broderick Gordis. And I am Damask Leary. And today we'll be discussing The End of the Fucking World Season 2. To Damask Leary, how are you doing? Pretty good, pretty good. I'm still in my pyjamas. Lovely. So life's going well. How are you? Very good, thank you. Are you settling back into life in Australia? Oh, too quickly. Too, too quickly? Too quickly. The holiday's over. As, uh, as fans of the arts we are, how are you feeling about the fact that the federal government just axed our arts department? Uh, really positive about it. Yeah, that yeah, sounds right, right, doesn't move. it? Just, right move. Yep. Let's just merge that into our rails and roads. <laughs> Department, what the fuck is going on? Makes sense to me. I'm. Uh, you seem this happy about slow it. Slow decline into fascism that's going on around us in the world <laughs> is kind of, you know, it's a little bit exhausting. And also not that slow. Not that yeah, surprisingly fast. <laughs> yeah. Surprisingly it's fast. It's because the rails are working so well. Just zooming <laughs> right into it, you know? Someone was saying, well, at least, you know, shows that go on the road are going to be well publicised. You know, if you want to take it on tour, mm. well, it's going to be easier than ever before. Well, thanks it. to the funding from the federal government. Mm. Uh, what else has been going on? Anything exciting? Are you watching anything? Uh, I know that's an off-topic, hot-topic thing, but... I don't think I have been I watching anything. To... No? No. Just I've just been... been working, yeah. Oh, poor you. Yeah, I know. I did see uh, Knives Out. Oh, did you love it? I I did. I w- I'll save a proper review until a future off-topic hot topic. But I'll, I'll just say, and I said this to you a little bit earlier before we started recording, I just admire, and the uh, and this I really don't think this will give anything away either because it's one of those movies where you don't want to give it away. I admire any time a film can market itself mm. without giving away not just like spoilery plot details because mm. so many movie trailers and stuff give away whole third act things that actually do a good job of hiding the true nature of the film. That's cool. If you're, yeah. People Don't who, say any more. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's it. But mm. Ryan Johnson has a knack of doing that. Yeah, and I think that's job. quite admirable. And also the studios get behind him in doing that too. Yeah, That awesome. they feel brave enough to go, oh yeah, we can keep that out of the trailer. Yeah. And I actually have watched something recently. Oh, I, yeah. you know, it's this, you know, Time of year again, the holiday season, uh, and so now that it has its new like Christmas. Oh, cool season! Um, and every time I go to watch, I'm like, oh, it's probably not as good as I remember. It is. It's still hilarious watching still people great. fail at baking, and Nicole Byer is the best. Mm. Very good. Well, well, we got nothing to talk about. Yeah, Boring it. us. So Move let's on. get to our spoiler-free review of the end of the fucking world, season two. Let me clue you in. Season in review. Two years after dropping out of the blue and onto our Netflix queue, season two of End of the Fucking World is hard to give a synopsis for. Thanks to season one's ambiguous yet quite satisfying ending, there is very little we can say about the plot of season two without being a massive spoiler. While there isn't a second graphic novel to adapt from, Charlie Covell does return to write this season, just as she did for the first, while some new blood is injected into the cast with the inclusion of Naomi Aki as the menacing Bonnie. Season 2 consists of 8 episodes, each coming in at around 22 minutes. It took us approximately 2 hours and 55 minutes to watch. There are no plans for a third season, though there were no official plans for a second season either, so who the hell knows? So before we get to our review, Mm -hmm. could you please remind the listeners what you thought of Season 1 of End of the Fucking World? I loved it. Um, I was obsessed with Season 1. I was so surprised at what a gorgeous little gem it was, um, how sparkly and shiny and wonderful and all the gifts it gave me. I was 
overwhelmed by how much I loved it and I gave it five stars. You gave it five stars. Which I stand by, 100%. Mm. I think it was fucking solid decision by uh, me. I, I also enjoyed it quite a lot. Uh, I gave it four and a half stars and like you, felt that we really did not need a second season. Mm-hmm. Like that, that we were pretty happy with how it ended. It was never really intended. It didn't feel like to have a second season. No. And when it was obviously popular and there was talk that they might do a season two, were not ecstatic about that. News. I was confused by it. Confused. I didn't understand why. Worried. Mm. Uh, so, with that in mind, understanding your thoughts on season one and, mm-hmm. and your, how you didn't anticipate season two, could you please yeah. give us your spoiler-free review of End of the Fucking World season two? I'd love to. I like where this season ultimately ends up. I hear what it's saying and I don't hate it, but the journey along the way felt like an echo of last season. I mean that in the sense that season one was a solid crash of sound that left you feeling overwhelmed and moved. It was clear and confident. This season, however, that clarity has dissipated and by the time it reaches us, I can understand what it is, but the impact is lost. When thinking about season one, we the audience are given a story that feels like mayhem, but by the end you understand how the writers have carefully woven breathtaking realisations in each episode to take us to an ending that is moving and shattering. When we think of how much our characters changed over the course of those concise and beautifully constructed eight episodes of season one, it's almost baffling that in season two we spend all of it really getting nowhere. By the end, we've got our characters an inch away from where they were at the beginning, and it's meant to feel like a triumph. But that journey is expected from the very beginning, and so the catharsis isn't there. There's a relief of, I guess, finally, but that's not revelatory. It's simply exhaustion from all of the redundant detours we've taken along the way. A new character is introduced, one that seems to stop our main characters connecting, She is trauma, she is PTSD, she is the past coming back to haunt us. And I get it. I just wish I found it more interesting. I wish there was more to her than a deadpan weirdo, much like season one James. Because trauma and PTSD and memory is a tricky lady. She messes with your mind in a way that makes you feel crazy, even though you are absolutely not. This season is, as I feared, totally unnecessary. It doesn't retroactively destroy the thing I love because that is not a thing. You hear me, internet? That is not a thing. But it doesn't add to the love I have for season one. I can see a lot of people enjoying this season. It's not bad, but I really did love season one of this show. I see that season as something really special. And while this season is good, it's certainly not special in my mind. There you go. I didn't hate it. That's that's a good review. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just sum it up that way. Yeah. One of the things you talk about in your review there was the destination maybe wasn't as far away from where we began or where mm. we ended in season one. Yeah. I think that's an interesting point. I guess where, where I'm going to talk about in a second with my review is that I don't necessarily disagree with you on that, mm. but I thought the story or the themes of this season, while yes, maybe we haven't taken a massive leap in terms of how far we've gone, I'm not necessarily sure that was the point. And like, no, not at all. And that what this season is trying to do for me was ultimately very satisfying. Mm. So, I'll, I'll get into that now. And yeah. do you have anything to say about that before I move um, on? Though? Yeah, I think like, I understand like the next step emotionally where we have to go. Mm-hmm. I think the if that is you do want to just inch forward, then the journey needs to be really intricate and really well explored along the way whereas I feel like a lot of stuff was both happening and not happening Mm -hmm. things were happening but nothing was happening um and then we're just like a little bit from where we were give me the first and last episode cool sure all the stuff in the middle I'm like you I feel like you felt like you took me on a journey I didn't feel it so, obviously, it's a risky move bringing back a show like The End of the Fucking World. Mm-hmm. World, uh, It's easy to undermine what many consider to be a great, perhaps even perfect, ending. Continuing the story also meant going off book, as the whole of the original graphic novel that this was adapted from um, was in season one. So, do I think season two of End of the Fucking World needs to exist? No. The original season has a great, satisfying, and complete ending. Am I happy they made a season two? I am. This... 
for me, is an excellent continuation, rich, thoughtful, and with purpose that only adds to the story and takes nothing away from it. Uh, the nature of season one's ambiguous ending means that we obviously have to be very careful of spoilers, so I'm going to avoid talking specifics until we get to our spoiler section. And first, I'll just talk about some of the things that I think are very similar um, or consistent from season one. The music, the needle drops of those sort of 1940s, 50s tracks in there are used a lot still to mm. the same effect, to the point maybe where I noticed it a little bit more this time, just how many needle drops yeah. there are. And we yeah. talked about that in a previous show. I can't remember what it was, but it was just like, boy, there's a lot of just like, needle dropping going on here. Stranger Things? Yeah, my yeah. Stranger Things season three, it was like it was really like yeah. on the nose. I did feel that a little bit this season. Um, the setting is very similar. It's set in like the UK somewhere, but it has a real Americana vibe to it. Mm -hmm. um, and that is consistent from the first season. The cinematography remains beautiful. Maybe not ultimately as striking as season one. I think season one, probably because it was adapted from a graphic novel and already had this like shot list These or storyboard cues, made yeah, for it, totally. was adapting from something that this one wasn't. And so it's lacking some of that visual cohesion, though there's still a lot of beauty in there. There's one location in particular, this beautiful red lit neon that's very, very effective, even if it's a little on the, on the nose thematically at times. Mm. Um, and it still remains funny. It still remains dark. And it still remains very, very tender. Um, even where things have changed, a lot of it feels like a natural evolution for me and completely consistent with what came before it. This is something I do want to talk about a lot when we get into spoilers, how um, the characters that we do recognize from last season are different, but also feel like they're still a continuation of the person they were before. Mm -hmm. um, the new inclusion uh, of Bonnie is an interesting one. And again, one I want to talk more about when we get to spoilers. Mm. Um, I, I, I will say I do think I, I like what Naomi Aki, who plays Bonnie, is doing ultimately. I think she yeah, gives a, a good performance. Performer. Yeah. Absolutely. Apparently, she's going to be she's in The Rise of Skywalker. Cool. Fascinating to see what she's like in that in a couple of weeks. Um, and But I share some of your concerns as well. I think she serves as more of a metaphor or mm. like a a plot device, uh, a phantom hanging over the rest of the show that necessarily is a complete character. Mm -hmm. um, and that might be a missed opportunity. Yeah. Which is perhaps like that character's purpose and that's all they want from her. Sure. I don't find it um, particularly engaging to have that um, presence there. I guess that's where I disagree with you. Mm. I think the presence and the inclusion of that character and, and like while that what that character is doing represents their role is again, obvious on the nose to the mm. point of being maybe just put it, you can almost put a sign on it, right? <laughs> like Tattoo that, on her you've forehead. You've already mentioned the embodiment of trauma yeah. and PTSD and all this sort of stuff. There is a lot, all of that there is on the surface. I don't think this is a massive, no, 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 there's a spoiler. I won't say that, but it's it's there. It yeah. lays it out for you mm. pretty clearly. On a platter. And, on a platter. Mm. And so you can look at that and go, well, that's not particularly told with a lot of subtlety or nuance necessarily. And that might be true, but- the effect it has or the role it plays overall in what the season is trying to do, because you're talking about where this starts and where this ends. Mm. I think the overall journey that takes place there is a satisfying one for me. It works, mm. but I do understand that criticism that Bonnie herself is not as interesting or as well fleshed out or as well explored as she could be. Mm. I was surprised when I was going through my notes and I was collating them together later, how little I'd actually written about Bonnie because mm. everything we think about Bonnie is established very quickly. Yeah. And it's also shocking because she takes up a huge chunk of time. There's she a, does. A lot of screen time with Bonnie, yeah. yeah uh, I think maybe less than we think. I've watched it through twice mm. and some of it's got to do with structure. That makes it feel very much that way, I think. And again, we'll talk to that that because I think they're trying to achieve something specifically here because of how season one ended. Mm. They're making choices on how to reveal certain information or where we spend our time. Um, and again, that you don't necessarily have to appreciate that. Yeah. But um, I think quickly she moves into the position that she's meant to move into. Anyway, we'll get to that in spoilers. That'll make more sense later. Um over and overall, I agree with you. This story feels a bit like an echo, or it feels very familiar to season one. And I agree, and that is true. Although I think it is, I uh, there's a twist on that which I enjoy as well. And it's not again, not necessarily all that complex or mm. nuanced, but I do enjoy what it's doing with that. And 
I think in a lot of ways, I just like that this story feels... Like, you talk about the first season being like this chaos and, you know, energy and all this sort of stuff that's going on. You're not wrong. This is a smaller, slower, more intimate intimate season. And I kind of like it for being that too. Mm. In some ways, this is more of an epilogue than it is a full story or season. It definitely builds on season one. You couldn't ever watch this season and have any satisfaction without having seen season one. But I also think that overall for me, what it has to say about trauma, about growing up, and ultimately about love means that I found not just the destination but the entire process of getting there quite beautiful. Hmm. And I I really enjoyed it. Like I said, I've watched it through twice. Now and I um I was surprised by how much I liked it both times. Mm. What's your final score? I'm giving this season, like I said, it's good, but it's not special, so it's getting a three point five from me. Okay, cool. Mm. Three point five is no bad score. No, I don't think so. I'm gonna give I it. I don't f- think it was bad. I just no. didn't love it. Yeah. Gotcha. I'm gonna give it a four. I gave the first season a four point five, mm-hmm. and. I don't think it's that far behind season one, ultimately. Mm. I like it as a continuation of the story a lot. It is missing those, some of the things we talked about, how much it relies on season one, and probably Bonnie as a character, what she just they aren't able to achieve with her, drops at that half point. But ultimately, I, I was really quite into it. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. It's nearly Christmas time. It's the holiday season. And if you've been enjoying what we do at Hunting Seasons, you want to give us a little gift and give us back a little something for the the podcast and the hours of entertainment we've given you. Give us money. Or oh. maybe a little bit easier. We're welcome to do that if you can find a way to get it to us. Uh, give us a review on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Google Play, whatever it is, wherever you listen to us, Stitcher, whatever. Especially Apple Podcasts, though. Give us a review. Give us a five-star rating. Only takes a second. If you want to leave some words as well, we'd really appreciate that. But uh, you'd be doing us a massive favor. It'd be a lovely present to us from you, and we would love that. I only want money, so. Just give us a review, please. That'd be great. But right now, let's get into spoilers. You're now entering the Spoiler Zone. Spoiler warning. From this point on, we will be discussing everything that happens in season one and two of The End of the Fucking World. Before listening any further, we recommend watching all of The End of the Fucking World up to this point. If you've not yet done so, proceed with caution. There are spoilers ahead. You You have have been been warned. Deep dive. It's cool to know other people think about this stuff too. It was a fitting end, and then I didn't die, says mm-hmm. James. He does. So, first of all, let's just talk about that choice. You know, end of the fucking world season one ends mm-hmm. on a clip, or not a cliffhanger, an ambiguous ending. Yeah. There is a gunshot, goes to black, James is shot, James mm-hmm. is dead. We don't know what's happened. Mm-hmm. And there's a beauty in that, because it could end however you want it to. I put up theories for how he got away, and then they met on the road somewhere and continued on their little <laughs> Bonnie and Clyde sort yeah. of run from the law. He could be mm-hmm. dead. In the, apparently, in the comics, from what I've read, spoilers for the, for the original graphic novel, um, it is ambiguous, but Bonnie's mum is saying that she no longer has to worry about James anymore, mm. and she is... Uh, 
carving James into her arm or something along those lines. Right, um, So, yes, but st- still considered ambiguous from the author. And I think now watching this season, it was always built off whatever that one or two panels was had been. Yeah. Um, mm. That's where the uh, this whole season yeah. came from. I, mean, a, I really loved, you know, the way that they left us wanting more. Just sure. Like going, oh, that was so good. What a high. And, oh, you just cut off what a, a, at the perfect time where I just really wanted to know what the next five seconds look like. But we mm-hmm. weren't given it. And I was like, oh, God, that was satisfying. So then we are and choices are made. It's like you can obviously <laughs> just can, can choose to ignore season two, yeah. much like I can choose to ignore the second half of Dexter. Just everything after the original showrunner leaves just doesn't exist in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um. Right, but, it's not that bad, jeez. We don't have to compare it to Dexter. No, no, I don't mean no, that. I but know. it's like, but that's a choice. <laughs> I just you were saying earlier, it's like things don't get retroactively ruined. No, they do you don't. Know what I mean, you can choose where you want your stories to end. You can choose yeah. which bits are canon to you. Yeah. Don't let freaking Disney decide for you if you don't want it to be that way. You don't have to be hysterical over it. Totally. Yeah. Uh, however, mm. we have this ending. We're all this continuation. And what are your thoughts on the idea that James is did survive? was shot, they were separated. Mm. How do you feel about just that choice, that choice to continue and how they continued? Um, I think it was the only choice. I, I, I never for one second thought that End of the Fucking World Season 2 wouldn't have James be alive. Speaking of earlier, uh, at least trying to keep things out of... Agreed, never thought he wouldn't yeah. be there, but they did an admirable, admirable job of keeping him out of the marketing. He wasn't mm-hmm. in the trailers, mm-hmm. he wasn't on the posters... Uh, even the emails that came from Netflix themselves were like, when I hadn't watched the show yet, were, don't mention that James is dead. I'm like, thanks, show. Now I know. Before I even watched it. Appreciate that. Yep. But you thought it was the only choice. Do you think it's in... Like, would you? could you have ever foreseen a version where James was dead of this continuing on? Just yeah. impossible. I mean, I guess so. I think it would be a really interesting choice to just follow Alyssa post-James. Mm. Um yeah, I think that would have been really interesting, but I would I never imagined that that would be the choice that they made. So you mentioned that Bonnie takes up a lot of screen time this season. We start with her. Her first mm. episode is the first episode of the season is completely Bonnie centered. Mm. Um, but you sound disappointed with Bonnie overall. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, I wanted. I yeah, I understood what she represented, and I like that like obviously these two kids have gone through so much and I understand the importance of acknowledging that and like fighting through both of the very different ways that they have decided to deal with what happened to them. Mm-hmm. Um, that Yeah, I've got a problem with characters who are devices sure. just in general. Um, I, I find it really tedious, I think, and I get as a viewer, I get really frustrated with it. So, well, let's talk about her first episode, the introduction to her, this girl who is growing up in a household where love is punishment. Mm. The way her mother raises her, the way she shows her quote-unquote love is through punishing her when she Mm. does things incorrectly or poorly until she eventually finds her way to university sitting in Clive Cox class. Mm -hmm. Uh, He notices her. And then they start a, a relationship of sorts, which she mistakes for love mm-hmm. and then continues her this idea of like love is punishment until she eventually kills another girl who she gets jealous over. Is that any of that fascinating? Is any of that resonating with you at this point? Yeah. When I, when it, when I was first watching, it, I was like, oh, what's this about? What's going on here? And I thought that was like a, yeah, a cool idea. I think, I don't know, there's something about everyone feels dead and I understand that's kind of part of it, but I just would have liked, I don't know, another layer, whether it's in performance or just the way the character is written, just another layer of something, I think. Just like it reminded me of, yeah, season one James and yeah, it it lacked, I guess this season kind of lacked flavour at Mm. all for me. Yeah. Not at all, but. Yeah. Do you think that is possibly a symptom of Alyssa being much more muted than she was in season one? Because she is, yeah, I mean, I think of the two leads, yeah. she is the one with more energy, with more mm. personality, who is the proactive 
almost uh, chaotic one of the two of them. Mm. Uh, yeah, the show itself is depressed like because totally. Alyssa is as well. Um, I think I just wanted, I guess, the character who was meant to be the beast, the, the black dog, the trauma, the and also um, the, the tension builder mm. because we're like, oh, you know, what's going to happen? She's there to kill them kind of thing. I just wanted something else. I wanted something juicier. I wanted well, it's funny because something else to hold on to. The our leads, or even something even realer, I guess. Realer, yeah. You just felt that she wasn't a real person. She didn't feel real to you. Well, I like the build up of who she was and why she was shut down. But I think I don't know. Like we did such a great thing last season of exploring shut down people. Um. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what she gave me. I don't know what she added to that conversation. I, I everything you're saying, I think, is right. The I think, first of all, just this person that is void of love. Mm. Right? She's never really experienced love on any level. She's mistaken something else for love, mm-hmm. and how this has turned her into a monster or into a a less than person mm. um, is an interesting one because ultimately I think this story is all about love and how love uh, can save people, right? This is our journey with Alyssa and James. We'll get to that mm. into a bit, in, in a bit. She's been tricked into thinking something that's not love is love and she's w- worse for it. She's a killer like James ultimately is, but she's a different kind of killer because James did it out of a sense of protection, whereas mm. she did it out of a sense of punishment, mm. you know, these different philosophies on life and why they ended up doing what they're doing. It She hangs around as, yes, this, like, trauma from the past that's going to kill them both, and yet they are mostly oblivious to her presence. Mm-hmm. Like, she is just strange. Yeah. And so I definitely see how that is odd. And then also the weird choice with her is to have this killing of the motel owner because I'm not 100% sure what is going... Like, her killing the original girl and going to jail for it and doing that for Cock and then Mm. going on... Like, she's an established (laughs) killer and then going to kill Alyssa and James Mm. makes a lot of sense to me. When she has accidentally killed this other guy, apart from getting her arrested at the end, doesn't necessarily... She has a moment of panic, puts him in a wardrobe. She's injured from it, yes, like Mm. physically injured, and you can lay on metaphorical meanings for that if you like, but she doesn't seem to think about that after that. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's not weighing on her in any way. It's not something she's thinking about yeah. except as a physical pain. Yeah, it's certainly at that stage when it really hits you that she's not really a person. Mm. Like, um, yeah, I was conf- – I think at that point – because I was excited because in that point of the season, they've all come together, they're – um, spending time together, they're hanging out in this motel. I'm like, oh, what's you know, what's going to happen here? Sure. And then ultimately, like the hotel owner ends up in her room, and it's clearly like a sexual predator. And then that scene is like, whoa, what's going to happen here? Um, and then she accidentally kills yeah, him, which yeah. I was like, that's an interesting what? choice. Like, what is mm, okay? Um, yeah, I think at that point, I was just baffled by what. What we were doing, I think. Because even the accidental killing could have ramifications because so far anyone she's killed mm. or intended to kill to kill has had a real reason for it. And yes, this guy was being a sexual predator. Don't get me wrong. Mm. Like, what a fucking dirtbag. Um, but uh, she she felt like, felt like she was in control, even though she was drunk. That is, don't get me wrong. Guy was. I'm not trying to to at all establish that he was in the right or anything like that, right? But it never it never felt like she was in danger. She, she had the gun at all times. You know what I mean? Like I don't think she ever intended to kill him. She never had an intention to shoot the guy just to get him to piss off, right? Mm. So when she kills him accidentally, without the sort of intention, because he did nothing wrong to Clive or anything like that, that should weigh on her. Maybe mm-hmm. it's like yes, she can kill people. She's done it once before, and she doesn't regret it. Mm. We don't think. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of she intends like, to kill two more people. Yeah. Instead of perhaps like the physical injury. Yeah. Just, you know, um, change that into like a cracking of the surface. surface. Um, like the, the hardened shell that we see. Yeah. Just seeing like a little human crack after that instance would have been 
I probably would have been more interested in Bonnie and what mm-hmm. she was doing and why she was there and, yeah, the dangers she posed, I guess. But at that point, like, she just seemed like a bit of a fucking idiot to me. Alyssa and James just aren't interested in her. She's just Mm-mm. there. Yeah. <laughs> they're riding along with, they're carrying her along with them because they're more interested in what's going on between the two of them. Mm. And that, I mean, ultimately, so Ooh. am I. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's exactly it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, so we get to the end, and she finally gets the two of them in there, and she intends to kill them, and then ultimately fantasizes about what they'll be. And the question is asked, like, what happens afterwards? Mm. To the point where she's like, well, I'm still unfulfilled. I'm empty and alone as I ever was. And then goes to kill herself. And James and Alyssa, compassionate people that they are, mm. who, I mean, that's the other thing that Bonnie is. She's like in a phantom of what these two could become under the wrong circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, if they didn't have each other. If yeah. they didn't have if they didn't have love, yeah. you know, and it's their love their, that ultimately saves Bonnie from killing herself. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's power in that, but I'm with you that yeah. Bonnie is the passenger, mm-hmm. quite literally <laughs> and figuratively the passenger yeah. in this season. Yeah, I, I love all like the different pieces and like the theme and yeah the journey of like discovering what or coming to understand what real love is what it brings into your life how it does and can change you Mm -hmm. I just I really I could see the spaces in between and so the yeah it wasn't as cohesive as I wanted it to be yeah. One line I did like, though, is in the last episode, which has no Bonnie in it whatsoever, which I also thought was a good choice. Yes, me too. Um, was James says to the detective, he's signing the uh, not his witness statement or whatever, mm. is like, I don't think she's very well. And the d- detective's like, what can you do? He's like, uh, a little bit more. <laughs> well, that's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a nice sentiment. Yeah. Uh, well, let's move on to our main two characters then. Let's talk about Alyssa. Mm-hmm. And... The first thing we notice is a bit of a role swap between them since season one. Mm. Uh, she literally goes and sits in the chair that James was in in the opening of the original season. She mm. has she has locked away her emotion. She's not become a psychopath like James Mm-mm. announced that he was, um, but she has closed off emotionally to the world. She is not the Alyssa that we um, know from season one. Um, how do you feel about that? That this role swap they've given her and ultimately James I think is the same Mm. sort of thing. Yeah, I think it made total emotional sense for Mm -hmm. Alyssa to be shut down, to have a deadening of Alyssa, um, of that fire that we have come to enjoy about her um, and that her, yeah, her highs and lows have just flatlined. Mm -hmm. And so I I really enjoyed the story of her just wanting – to feel something like James did in season one. Like I just wanted to feel things. And so instead of like sticking her hand in a deep fryer, she like, you know, sticks her hand into an idea of love. And so she's like, let's get married. Like, um, I feel that's consistent with her character too, this ultimate rebel, right, as well. Yeah. And she says that like getting married is one of the most rebellious married things you young, can do. Married young, yeah. Married young, sorry. Mm. And like this is just an, another thing of her like, how can I just change up the situation? Very consistent with her mm. character, I think. Yeah. Go on. Um, yeah, so I – made sense like after having experienced an insane ride that she did with Mm -hmm. James um and experiencing that depth of affection for someone and love to then go back to the monotony in this gray world and just kind of yeah being bored and seriously depressed and it all it all emotionally made sense and I really enjoyed that element of the show. What do you think was the ultimate trigger for her to close herself off like that? The ultimate trigger. The thing that that set like we can obviously talk about the trauma of what happened mm. in episode three of season yeah. one. Well, it's falling back into disconnection. So when James says like that they he doesn't want anything to do with it's her. It's all about the letter. It's yeah. like. Well, that was if you've spent your whole life being disconnected and then you experience true connection mm-hmm. and then it gets taken away from you, like the, the amount of like past shit that you've experienced just comes flooding back. You're like, well, this is just the rest of life. I've gone back to what I thought I had escaped from. Yeah. The line in the letter, I think, that sums it up is whatever you feel about me, you should know I don't feel it in return. Mm. And like she's... <laughs> She's been told that her feelings are like 
are not real almost mm-hmm. or that they're incorrect and that whatever she thought about James feels about her is not true. Mm. And just like, of course, you're going to close down your emotions. Mm-hmm. Just completely sh- shut yourself off. How else would you cope yeah. when someone tells you that? Yeah. Someone that you love and, you know. Mm. And, and in the action of doing that speaks to one of your greatest concerns is that he blames her yes, for what makes happened. Yes, her... It's yeah. like, I did this. I hate you yeah. because you, you made, made me, me kill this yeah. person. You made me a killer. Yeah. Oh. So, not only is she like reliving like past sexual trauma, mm-hmm. but then also this added guilt of really harming someone that she had come to love, mm-hmm. all of that guilt as well. Like, yeah, it's just, of course, she shuts down. The, and I, yeah, I loved all that stuff. It mm. probably, I think it brought back to the surface the trauma of the actual moment in the bedroom mm. as well. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting. I now look at that image of them at the end of episode three of season one when they're standing there and James got the knife and she's covered, covered in, in blood. blood. Yeah. And like that has new meaning for me now because it's like she's ended up being more affected by this than James has. Mm-hmm. Um, he's ultimately more affected by the end of season one, the gunshot and physically mm-hmm. affected. And then obviously his disconnect from Alyssa. But she continues to carry the trauma of yeah. that specific inciting event almost yeah. for their story. She she didn't do the killing, but she feels all mm-hmm. of it. Yeah, he's got the physical. She's, she's tainted. got the emotional yeah. and the mental. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Um, I really, really enjoyed Jessica Barden's performance as Alyssa this season. Obviously, she's less animated, ultimately energetic than... Alyssa mm. was going back again. I didn't get to watch all of season one. I really wanted to before I watched season two, but watch some key scenes like when she's doing the dancing stuff mm-hmm. in the lounge room and stuff. Mm. She's she's amazing in that season. Um, but the her trying to smile oh and my there's God. just nothing one of in my, her eyes. Yeah, notes was just like she's so good at the dead smile. Dead like, smile. So good at it. Yeah. Um, and I think one of the saddest details, like watching how she's changed is one of the things she talks about a lot in season one is like she was deliberately, she would deliberately eat everything to like, to get back at her mother who didn't eat anything. Mm. Right. And she really enjoyed food. Yeah. And this season she's never hungry. She never eats. She yeah. never is interested until the very end. Thank Christ. Was, I think in the diner with James. Yeah. yeah. And she hasn't touched anything on her just plate. Does not. She yeah. just looks at it and just is like, what yeah. am I even doing here? Mm. Um, which is really sad to see how much it's affected her. And you even see it in her. She's thinner and gaunt mm. and like she's obviously sad and um, has a lot going on there. But just, the, just I thought that was a very telling change to her character. She's in a mm. bad place when she can't even enjoy food anymore. The other element that feeds into, I think, the way she thinks about the world is she's decided, I mean, in general, she's just got this uh, incredibly well-articulated depression in that she's negative about everything. She expects everything to go wrong at every stage. Anytime something does go wrong, it's like, well, that's just confirmation that things are shit, that Mm. I'm shit. We talked about Bonnie is like punishment is love. She's the embodiment of like punishment, right? She's coming to punish them for their past sins. And Alyssa really does believe that she deserves to be punished. She even thinks that she's genetically predisposed to just being shit because both her parents are shit. Yeah, she's resigned (laughs) herself to... You know, we see the different reactions between James and Alyssa with the bullet. Mm-hmm. It's just like, well, yeah, she's resigned herself to the fact that, like, yeah, no, if someone's coming to kill me, that's <laughs> that's fine because, of course, one, that's going to happen, and two, if it does, then I deserve it. I'm totally deserving of the world shitting on me. Yeah, and yet underneath it all, as much as she's trying to push James away and move and move away from that, it's obvious that she still holds this incredible. Mm. admirate or affection for him. Yeah. The moment where they go to the motel and like they're going to get two rooms, she's like, yeah, that's cool. And she justifies it to herself. That'll be cheaper that way, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. or says to him, it's the only room they had left. <laughs> I mean, it's very cute. Yeah. It's hard when like, so she obviously has resigned herself to the world being terrible and that good things can't happen to her. Mm-hmm. But obviously like just simply by her still being attached or like wanting to be physically near James she does have hope that maybe she deserves something a little bit more or, like, likes to have something more. Um, but, yes, obviously is still being held by the fear of, well, he's just – it's going to fall apart again. Yeah. So, we get through all this stuff with Bonnie. She's arrested. 
they're free of her now. Mm. Uh, she's going to get a divorce from Todd. All this sort of stuff. And then she walks away and leaves a note saying she's going for a bit. Back later, look after James. Mm-hmm. And James, we haven't spoken about yet, but James is just instantly full of dread. Yeah. Um, did you... She Her lines in her head were... Or her, her narrative narration was, I can't do this anymore. Mm. Did you at any stage feel like she was at risk of killing herself? Which is obviously what James is feeling. Yeah. Um, narratively, no. Mm. But I felt the dread, I guess. I was like, I didn't think she was going to kill herself. But I was always like, well, maybe they will. I don't think they will. But I guess maybe. Um, but I thought they played it really, really beautifully. The kind of the visiting of places and the slow building of James's fear and going to see Todd and stuff. And like, no, no, like I, she's fine. Um, yeah, just going to go. And yeah, and obviously like remembering what he experienced with his mom and it's been, yeah. And you just see his, he looks like a little, as it goes on, looks more and more like a little boy. Um, and his poor little, little sausage face. Um, but yeah, I think they, they, Made you feel. Face. Sorry, go on. <laughs> they made you feel um, that she could at any moment um, walk into that house and do something bad. But no, I didn't think she would. What? How do you feel about her returning to the place of her trauma? Mm. And like, she goes back. She puts herself sort of in the space that, that bed was. Mm. Um. Then steps out, you know, jumps in the pool or whatever, and ultimately James's mm. fears were for naught. She was she, yeah. that was never really something she was going to do, um, but she seems to be maybe returning to herself a bit more afterwards. She's hungry again for the mm-hmm. first time she's been the entire season. Yeah. Um, it's a long road ahead for her to recovery, but there's there's definitely hope there. How do you feel about just the idea of returning to that place of trauma? What is it saying about trauma? Do you think? Yeah. Do you think well, that's I think a- like because obviously she says that she she is always in that room. And that's the thing. It's like it becomes this great big monster in your mind, like Mm. all-consuming thing. It's just a memory, but it is like your all-consuming reality Um, so much so that your brain tells you that the thoughts, what you've built in your brain is the reality. And so to return to a place of trauma um, and to be present in it and not – experience the trauma but just simply as you are now in the place of trauma being present and realizing that you exist outside of it yeah yeah um and just see walls for walls and um yeah a house for a house and it's not this evil dark place something evil and dark happened there but the place itself is not evil um, you are not evil simply for existing inside of it and you can kind of, yeah, you're able to kind of see it for what it really is and leave it, yeah. Um, a very on-the-nose metaphor, but one I appreciate all the same, was the fact that Alyssa and James, neither of them can figuratively or literally return home. Yeah. You know, Alyssa mm. is not living in the ho- her house yeah. with, her, with her mother living with a friend and James and is in his car, yeah. cannot go back into that house since his father died. Mm. Um, and ultimately, that was never home anyway, probably in a lot of ways. Maybe James and his dad, there was an opportunity there. Mm. That's very sad too. That was- the dad, the one adult, and, well, except for maybe that the friend of Alyssa's mum's. But it's her auntie. Well, oh, auntie, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. The, but the, they're like the only two adults in the entire season <laughs> that are like not trash people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was very, it was, God, it was so sad when, yeah, James and his dad are like connecting and oh, stuff. And then- so sweet. And then, yeah, his dad dies. Fuck. Yeah. In general, though, I just think James, played by Alex Lawther, is a fucking sweetie. Mm. I. Love him. He yeah, is so adorable. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's very satisfying to see that change from, again, going back and even just watching half of the first season, that James in season one, episode one, season one, the psychopath version of James, mm. who was never really that. Mm. Um, but he, again, this is the, the, swi- the, the, the switch these two have had. He feels everything now, it seems. Mm. You know, he cries and he can't go back into his house and mm. he... He is so much more of an emotional being. And so empathetic. Like, so empathetic. And really kind of understands and sees Alyssa and sees her actions and just being like, he understands 
what she's doing a lot of the time, like pushing him away and being angry and all that kind of thing. That's Yeah, it's beautiful to see like, yeah, season one, James who didn't understand human emotion mm-hmm. at all and now he, you know, he's the one that is like reaching out and trying to, yeah, connect with people constantly. Mm. Every one of his soft little smiles always made yeah. me like break a little bit inside. Uh, but again, consistent with his character from last season, mm-hmm. that protector instinct kicks in instantly. The moment there is any sort of threat on Alyssa, that's where it needs to be. And only doubly so now because not only does he still feel like he didn't do enough to help his mother, mm. how could he have done anything there? But that, mm. that's the trauma he carries. And then his dad dying as well. Yeah, It's like he's got this one person left in his life, even though he's pushed her away deliberately. Well, pushed her away. Mm. Um it just felt completely consistent with the character and, and totally emotionally true as a continued continuation of that story. Mm. Uh, did you feel the same way? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, what was happening with Alyssa and James and both their like individual stories and obviously in terms of their relationship feels emotionally true. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't have any problems with that, I think, yeah. The, the thing they've replaced this season again is an echo of the first season. The first season he was constantly delaying he's like going to kill Alyssa. He come up with all these excuses for why he couldn't do it. Mm. And this season, it's like, I'm going to tell her I love her, but now's not the right time. Yeah. And like always finding excuse yeah. to not do that. And again, I just enjoy that like twist on the, what we know from that first season. Um, but ultimately, it sounds like you were really, you were satisfied with the last episode at least or the... Yeah, I liked where we ended up. by th- And... It's what I wanted from the show, I yeah. think. Um, yeah, it's just how we got there. And I think the character of Bonnie, that was a huge hindrance for me. Um, but yeah, no, because I, I do love their relationship and I love both those characters individually. Um, so yeah, I very much enjoyed the last episode. It's probably my favourite, I think. Um, in terms of the, this new ending we have now, there, as far as we can tell, no intention from anybody to make a season three. Netflix probably wouldn't do it anyway. They cancel everything after two seasons, so it wouldn't matter. Um, we are now left not with any... I mean, we're left with questions. We don't know exactly what the future holds for them. Elisa mm. certainly has a long place to go in recovering from her trauma, um, her depression, whatever you want to call it, PTSD, etc. But they're together... Mm-hmm. They seem like they're going to give it a go. They seem right for each other. Is that satisfying um, for you, or that? Yeah, I don't know. Like by the end of it, I wasn't convinced that they had a romantic relationship, but I absolutely believe that they had a incredible friendship. Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, okay, that's interesting. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, at the end of it, I didn't see them being together. I just saw them being one another's family and friends. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. Mm. The I think it was a line James said. He says it when he's in the he's uh, with the detective. Yeah. She go. He goes. Can I give your girlfriend's address? And he's like, she's not my girlfriend. But inside, any the internal narrative was, but she's my friend. Yeah. Um, and and a lot of the time they've said like they have got to that whole point of like, well, now I know this isn't going to work, mm. right? But mm, maybe that is the ambiguity because I I did feel like there certainly was a potential there. Mm. They're saying they love them, and that doesn't have to be romantic. But they've both yeah. expressed a feeling when what he when he said that at the um, the junkyard or whatever it is where the, the car was uh, being held up. He said, "I love you." He very much rem- met that romantically, romantically totally, and that's yeah. what she heard, and that's where she says, "I feel the same." So. In my mind, that's enough if you want to hang mm. your hat on the idea that this is a romantic love and yeah. they can be a romantic partnership. Yeah. I think like, I guess in season one, it was this kind of like Bonnie and Clyde idea of kind of like this silly romantic love or whatever. And with season two, as you know, they're older and they're experiencing more adult feelings and experiences, that it's gone beyond that is just like a deep love of who that person is and all that stuff. So it just like, it no longer seemed, yeah, to be romantically focused, I guess, in my mind. I think in a way it's just evolved to be less frivolous Mm. than maybe it was in season one where, yes, it's exciting. You're rebelling with this person, you know, you're going. It's not a teenage love anymore. It's not. And that's a lot about what I like about this season in general. It's Mm. like what happens when you come back from that, when you're not kids anymore, when you've grown up and you've got to re- face the realities 
of like being on your own or and they're going to do it together. They're not going to mm. be on their own. Um, I that's one of the things I think I ultimately loved about this. Yeah, because it's funny to go back and watch season one now, and they are children. Little, they are so tiny. Little. Yeah, <laughs> they are just little people, mm. and they and. This is not that story. Mm. They are adults now. They have been through some shit. They have been forced to grow up. And they've grown up a little bit wonky because of that trauma. Mm -hmm. But this ultimately helps to correct that. And now they can continue that journey together. I think think maybe you're right. Maybe there is some ambiguity there. Or maybe it isn't romantic. But I think there's enough room for it to be either way. And probably doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, But I do love that they're going to do it together. And I Mm. truly love the image of... Um, them sitting next to each other and Alyssa holding James's hand and holding his weird hand, as she calls it, which he couldn't do in the first season. Mm, yeah. The shot of him having to bring his right hand across because <laughs> uh, yeah. she wouldn't hold his left hand. And now they do. I Do you, do you think this is a better, a worse, or just as good an ending as the first season? Or is that oversimplifying it? Which it probably is. Oversimplifying it. Um I prefer, um, as a story as a whole, I prefer season one just being the story. Sure. I don't hate the ending of season two. I just find it, to me, a less engaging story. It it sits in a similar way, kind of. No. Earlier, in a couple of se- episodes ago, I talked about uh, Toy Story 4. Mm-hmm. Maybe a couple, a few episodes before. And I said, I wish it didn't exist. But because since it existed, it was quite good. Yeah. Right? I kind of wish this didn't exist in the sense that season one is perfectly fine on its own. Mm. But I find this emotionally more fulfilling than Toy Story 4 was. I have some problems with how Toy Story 4 ended. Mm-hmm. As sweet as it is, I don't believe all of it. I think it's a little counterintuitive to what the series has been doing. Mm. This to me feels like, well, if you've got to do a season two... This is where I wanted to end. This is I'm very happy that we got to this place. Mm. I I ultimately am thankful for this season. I think it's it's great for Alyssa and James. Mm-hmm. Bonnie is not entirely successful, mainly because she doesn't get to be a person. Yeah, the way that James and Alyssa are complete, complex, really well represented characters, mm-hmm. well portrayed characters, but. I don't know. I, I really you love like the it. ending. I, I really awesome. I really do. I've watched it twice and watching it the first time with Steph, which is very similar, I think, how I watched the first season as well. Mm. Um, yeah, we were both quite full and yeah. happy with it afterwards. I think like, yeah, season one is something else I have watched again. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't feel compelled to watch season two again. Sure. Yeah. Uh, one of the other just the thoughts they leave the, the show on, which is – Hopeful in a very the end of the fucking world depressing way. Uh, it's shit being dead, isn't it? It's a good message. Yeah, it is shit being dead. Any last words? Final thoughts. That's why you always leave a note. I've only got a few side notes. You've already told me that you don't. Uh, <laughs> so, one little detail that just made me correct something I had misthought about the original season. You misthought. Misthought. Mis- misread in yeah. season one, okay, right? gotcha. Misthought. <laughs> I like I'm gonna, it. I'm going to coin that. I like it. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, Clive, the rapist that mm-hmm. they kill, uh, they show him putting away the camera after he's been with the other girl that Bonnie mm-hmm. ultimately runs over. So... I th- always thought in my head that he was killing those girls as well. So did I. So it turns out that's not the case. I'm guessing he was like drugging them and that right. um, they don't remember and maybe they have some memories and they're accusing him of things, but it's beyond whatever it is he's mm. covering his tracks. He's getting away with it. I thought he was violently like raping and murdering uh, women. I thought he was murdering women too. Yeah. So it was interesting that, that I think that's not the case is what's establishing. You see mm. him put that camera away as he's talking to Bonnie. So, he was filming whatever he was doing with that woman or mm. that uh, girl or student or whatever it was, um, whoever she was, I should say. Um, so, yeah, interesting anyway. Just a little detail there. Uh, little details that I liked. James pulling the yogurt away from Alyssa's mum when she starts to turn the conversation yeah, against him. She's right. like, would you like a yogurt? And she's like, I'm fine. And then, it, yeah. She she's gonna turns out to be away. an asshole. He just like, puts his little yogurt away. Yeah, it's very cute. Uh, look. Look. 
I'm a feminist, okay? <laughs> Great line also delivery from the uh, yeah. pharmacist. Pharmacist. In general, did you find this a particularly funny season? I think the first season's quite funny at times. I found the first season really funny. And yeah. Yeah, this one was still had some funny moments in it, yeah. I laughed quite a lot. Uh, generally, just Alyssa's asides made me laugh anyway. Sure. Yeah. Even though she's like less sort of mm. full of energy and life. Just her general asshole vibe I really enjoy and connect to. When she's telling the waiter to put the plates down or whatever. Yeah. Just, <laughs> just put them down. Or, actually, one of my favourite ones is when he's talking about the lazy Susan and mm. just the like, for fuck's sake, James. <laughs> Jesus Christ. She's cold. Uh, if So, there's a bit where James is driving his car. This mm. is me getting nitpicky now. Oh, God. And Bonnie is... Do you love these bits? These are I your do. Favorite they're bits. my favourite. Yeah. yeah. And Bonnie is driving the opposite way. They sort of stopped at the roadworks and he dro- she drives past. And he notices Bonnie driving like a bat out of hell past him. He's like, mm. oh, my God. Why is Bonnie in a car and driving towards Alyssa? Mm. She's literally spent the last day and a half in the car that he was in. How does she not notice him? Because like, that's the purpose of like that insane focus that she has. But also, I think they staged it really well. Because he's sort of behind. He's behind like the, the construction the, thing. Yeah. I, yeah. So, I disagree with that nitpick. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, episode seven, when Bonnie is at the diner or the cafe mm. and like James is like sneaking around, has to use the phone to like call the cops and stuff. That would have been a really convenient time for these characters to have fucking mobile phones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really helpful that they just got rid of those in season one. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a moment I did think that was hilarious and so well played. I don't know how they didn't laugh doing it. When they're pouring out James's ashes oh, uh, yeah. underneath the uh, the underpath. The it's slop. So funny. Yeah. It's and perfectly dark and in line with I was that. like, yeah, when he puts his hand in. Yeah. So I'm like, what a, why? Because I was like, fucking pour it out. Then obviously he realized that was a fucking dumb idea. He's like, I guess I should just pour him out. <laughs> uh, what do you think of Todd? Just uh, Alyssa's what husband. A cutie. I know. What you really got a feel for Todd. Just yeah. completely I love that like, yeah, something. he started off as, you know, just a total dumb, dumb idiot or whatever. And then at the end, like you really do see how much he cares for her. And we like meet his sister and stuff and. And that Alyssa has a relationship with the sister, yeah. so you understand this is like, he's he's not a joke. The fact that she did that to someone is actually quite serious, and she's an adult now, so she does have to deal with it. I think just one thing I'll never get over, and I'm gonna I'm gonna do a very poor impression here. In fact, I'm even gonna try. Maybe I'll let Damas do this. I will never ever not enjoy the way Alyssa says shit, shit. <laughs> Just like, <laughs> just that lack of a T, really yeah. elongated. Mm. It's always enjoyable every time she says it. Uh, least favorite and favorite episode. What was your least favorite episode, Damask? Great question. <laughs> <laughs> All um, of them except the no, last one. No, because um, I started thinking that the one where the, they're at the motel was going to be my favorite. Because you felt like but they're including it's Bonnie. Coming to it yeah. ahead. Um, and then it ends with the accidental killing and I was baffled. So actually, no, I'm going to go with, oh, but I didn't hate it. Mm. (laughs) I really struggled to think of one because there's elements I really like in every episode and there's elements that I don't like in episodes. Um, I'm just, okay, I'm going to go with episode one. Okay, yes. Yeah, just because that was on the cards for me as well. Because I guess that's the, the crux of the issue for me. It represents your yeah. problem with the season. And it, the like when it started, I, w- I enjoyed it. Mm. But I guess, yeah, I guess because of, yeah, it begins the problem. Totally. Mm. Uh, I'm going to give my least favorite episode to episode six. Mm-hmm. Uh, for similar reasons to my least favorite episode from, episode one, from season one, which was like they separate James and Alyssa. And I always mm. prefer when they're together yeah, because totally. I find them endlessly entertaining and like meaningful when they're together. Yeah. Um, and also it sort of just ends up being like a lot of putting pieces into place for the big confrontation in the mm. diner at the end or the cafe yeah. at the end. And so like Bonnie is just focused on getting to Alyssa and James is following Bonnie. Yeah. And like, oh, cool. He's figuring out what's going on. But it's just like, we've known forever. Yeah. There's no revelations <laughs> here. The stuff with Alyssa and Todd is very interesting in that episode. I did enjoy episode. That I love that a lot. lot. But I'm just going to give that my least favorite episode. Mm-hmm. What was your favorite episode? The last episode. Yeah. Because what I wanted, I knew that's where we were going. Um, Bonnie's out of the way and it's just Alyssa. Um, yeah. Dealing with what she needs to deal with. Obviously, we have Alyssa and James coming together. Um, I thought it was a really good ending for the season. You know, I really loved it. Mm. 
I agree. Episode eight is my favorite episode. I think it's a beautiful ending, focused on James and Alyssa. No Bonnie in there, as we said, and a good place to end things. It may not have, we may not have needed this season, but I appreciate it, and I, th- I appreciate them finding a hopeful full stop. But my question for you is: <laughs> Does this make you feel any differently about season one now that you've had season two, or? Do you, can no. you, you can completely just <laughs> can, cut yourself yeah. off. No, it doesn't make me feel differently about it at all. It's like... Does, that it ending's ex- not any less effective for you on any regard, knowing where they intended this, what ended up continuing on? Um, I don't know, because, like, yeah, the ending is great of season one, um, but the, the, the story of season one as a whole is so good. Sure. No, it doesn't ruin anything. It it doesn't. I'm it can't. Testing, I'm just testing. Yeah. It, it was can't. a five star. It was a five star yeah. season. No, it's um yeah, it's wonderful, and it will always be wonderful. And if people love season two the same or more, fucking awesome. That's great for you. I didn't love it. I thought it was fine. Don't need it. Um, and that's okay. Very good. Uh, do you have any predictions, hopes, or concerns for a season three? Um. I just don't. I said this about season one. I don't think they need another season. Yeah, don't do it. Yeah, that would be my answer. This feels. Com- yeah. It already felt like it was totally complete. This feels complete. There is no reason to add anything else in here. No, I don't um, think so. I don't think, and there doesn't sound like there's any intention from anyone involved think, creatively. Yeah, this season will be as big as season one was. The buzz around it doesn't seem to be quite as big so I'll be honest with you I think Netflix are doing a terrible job of promoting their original content recently Mm. and like we're very lucky because we like get specific publicity stuff into our inbox and like get to see some stuff early sometimes and that and like I'm baffled by like Lost in Space is coming out at the end of this month and like I we were talking about this I haven't heard anything about it nothing Mm. there a trailer has just come out finally Mm. and like I was talking months ago I was like any word, Netflix, do you want to build up any anticipation or hype mm-hmm. for this? But mm-hmm. they just don't until like a couple of weeks beforehand, then they just yeah. drop it. And you wonder why people don't know about it, don't find it, forget about it, and then ultimately the things are cancelled. Mm. Like, come on, guys. Because that's the thing, if I haven't heard anything about an upcoming show, I assume that's because it's bad. Yeah, like, exactly because right. Because I don't have confidence in it. That's my assumption. So if I just randomly haven't heard a thing and I see it on my like Netflix page, yep. f- homepage, I scroll right past it so I'm like oh that's probably bad then alright sometimes the opposite can be true we found this show originally season mm. one because the trailer was just on Netflix yeah I watched it and then said I think you mm. should watch it yeah sometimes you do find a gem totally but it should like they have a marketing department right I shouldn't have to be doing that yeah yeah it's it, it the opposite can happen too where you mm. go I, I agree with you I often assume it's like is this any good if yeah. I haven't heard anything about this mm-hmm. surely and that I think that again is one of the biggest problems with the fact they release these all as one. I let's just briefly. <laughs> the Mandalorian is currently airing. Yes. We're like halfway through the season. Now that show could have all been released as one, and I'm sure it would have been talked about a lot for a week or two. Mm. It is constantly being talked about because it's coming out episode by episode. You cannot escape Baby Yoda memes. Well, that's They're the only fucking everywhere. It might be spoken about every week, but it's only ever the same thing. <laughs> and yet. And yet, it is constantly being talked about. Your Mm. opportunity to find your way into that show is so much higher. It it also helps at Star Wars and Disney and all those things. But I think it speaks to a real strength. Mm. Watchmen is similar. We're getting ready to review that. I'm excited. But that is getting talked. That's week by week. It gets talked about every time a new episode is released. Mm. I'm having to dodge tweets like they're bullets. but But you can't escape this feeling that this show is big. End of the fucking world season two comes out. No one's talking about it. Like, it's just not being discussed. Mm. People who were massive fans of season one, and that's about it. This deserves a little bit more than that, I think. I think so, too. It deserves more discussion. I think I think the marketing of it and also the, rele- the way the release is starting to get become a factor mm-hmm. is my opinion. Especially in this oversaturated market where we've got multiple streaming services now. Insane. 
Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Hunting Seasons. You can find more of what we do via our website, huntingseasonspodcast.com. Our logo and design work comes from Sean Kirkpatrick, aka at Shawnee Boy Draws, and our theme song and bumpers from Lucas Heil of Birthday Loyalty Club. Find links to their work in our show notes. You can also find myself, Broderick Gordis, on Twitter at B Gordis, B G O R D E S Damask. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Maskymo, M A S K Y M Double O. Next week, we'll be back to discuss the marvelous Miss. This is Maisel season three. Uh, are you looking forward to that, Damask? I'm ready for the jokes and the yucks and the lols. Mm, yes. <laughs> uh, me too. We've we're massive fans of the first two seasons. Indeed. Uh, hopefully season three can bring it. Have you got any fears, any worries, any, anything you're anticipating about season three? I mean, it's the same fear I have for every show that I love and it goes this on and on and on. There's going to be like, oh, fuck you. You fucked it. You fucked it. Yeah, that's my concern. Well, you can find out if they fucked it next week. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, thank you again for listening. We will see you next time. Bye for now. Bye. Good night, everybody. And so Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.